Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. Good evening, I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And I'm very excited for this episode, not because Spurs are doing particularly well, other than a couple of great results against Belgrade in the Champions League, but because I, like I'm sure every listener, Jason, wants to know what you have to say about a certain Granite Xhaka. We've talked about the captaincy a lot on the show in the past. What do you make of him being stripped of the captaincy and the whole booing issue and his response to it? It's funny, I should have seen this coming, but really in my mind I haven't prepared. So what's coming out is the honest kind of uh, truth about what I feel about the situation. Um, Starting from the top, he should never have been captain of the football club based on never leading by example in terms of the way he plays his attitude in terms of things he said over the weeks and months, um, in terms of putting our strikers in it when he made a mistake, saying, well, why didn't the strikers score? Um, saying we were scared against Watford. And then on this incident, telling your fans to expletive off is not acceptable in any line of work. And in football, it shouldn't be any different. If I went into an office... And I told all my managers, the, uh, the people and colleagues and stakeholders all paying my wage, told them to expletive off. I'd be shown out that door or reprimanded straight away without fail. Um, the management in this case um, will include the manager and the club. Didn't move quickly enough. They let it. Um, they let it, they let it kind of um, sift like a bad smell around the club. Um, no decision was made. Nothing was said until the following week, until he was so disrespectful, the captain or former captain, to write a message in his native language, not through the uh, club's official channels, um, and not even apologising for his behaviour. My biggest um, frustration about everything is that in this so-called apology, he used kind of the the... What I'm going to call an excuse about saying I was abused on social media. They've been talking about my wife and about my child and horrible, horrible things. And you know what? I can't excuse that. That is disgusting. No human being should be subject to that. But he had not mentioned that once before the incident. And people are forgetting, and and it makes a better story if, if, it, if it's put in that light. People are forgetting that he was booed. And I've heard this from people who are at the stadium. He was only booed because he'd been playing badly. Fine. But he was only booed when he was slowly coming off the pitch because he was frustrated at being subbed off. Slowly coming off the pitch when we were struggling against a um, a uh, Palace side, drawing with them. And he didn't run off the pitch and show urgency. So they booed him. And then he started with that, with that provoking the fans in that sense and probably got more booed. But you're in a position of responsibility... You cannot swear at your fans. You cannot goad your fans. And if you do, you have to suffer the consequences and you have to look at yourself in the mirror afterwards and ask whether that was the right thing to do. Um, The manager barely protected him, kind of put him in it, then tried to protect him, wasn't sure. Eventually he was stripped of it. We we never heard anything from Shaka himself. Uh, For me, there's no way way back from this, um, him at the club, because I don't, I think... The majority of supporters see through this whole debacle as as as, as just um, you know him trying to to shift the blame 
um, detract from the fact that he is or has been for Arsenal a terrible player who I believe has not contributed to the success of this club, has contributed to the demise of this club. It's no coincidence that when he came in, we've been slowly um, sifting deeper and deeper into the abyss. Um, he's not a captain. He's not a player that, that provides anything substantial to this lineup. Um, and there are two separate issues here. There is one about the abuses he's been getting, but I believe most players get that kind of abuse anyway. And that is a separate issue that you don't need to jumble up with this specific incident, which he's still not apologised for, and I don't believe he ever will. Um, so that that's kind of my my whittle stop. Probably actually quite um, quite a constrained view of it. Um, but as a fan, I feel insulted um, that he's painting all fans with that brush as well. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted he he's been stripped of the captaincy. And if, if for me, it, it was it's come too late. It should have happened. He should never have had the captaincy full stop, but it should have happened that that day and set an example. Um, it's embarrassed the club um, externally for sure. In terms of the the next captain in line, Aubameyang, great. I mean, I love Aubameyang. He scores goals. He's like a positive guy. He doesn't really get into the, that sort of controversy on and off the pitch, um, apart from living quite a flash lifestyle with his gold Lamborghini uh, once in a while. But other than that, um, it's a safe option. It, it fits, I guess, with the hierarchy of the five captains, um, which which works so well that all four of our captains now, um, who didn't turn up uh, to Vittoria yesterday, meant that Rob Holding had to be a captain. Um instead of Lacazette or Pepe. I mean, God knows what is happening with that club right now. Um, but again, it shows, it shows, it, it shows egos are still there post-Venga era. And it also, again, adds the argument of bad management, whether or not that sits with the club and what they allowed their managers to do, or whether that sits solely with the manager, I can't answer, but it doesn't look good for Unai Emery again. And what, role do you think the fans have to play in the atmosphere around the club because when Xhaka was booed it reminded me of when you booed Abue when he got substituted after having a particularly poor performance and obviously we all know how the fans turned against Arsene Wenger despite everything that he'd done for you and obviously Arsenal fans because of that and sort of Arsenal fan TV as well had a reputation for being quite kind of fickle and ungrateful and and you know, arguably Arsenal fan TV did as much to tarnish the atmosphere around Arsenal and the reputation of Arsenal as much as anything that happened on the pitch. Putting aside issues that you have with, with Xhaka and all the rest of it, do you not think that the fans are maybe contributing to the bad atmosphere around around the club and they're actually not exactly encouraging for his teammates to see a player treated that way and that it might even put certain players or even managers off Arsenal in the future if they think, well, I don't want to end up being booed like that. Because, okay, I agree that the language Shaka used was obviously not acceptable, but you can understand on, on a human level him responding to his own fans abusing him that way when he is the captain. Do you not worry about perhaps the message that the fans might be sending out to his teammates, to other prospective players, and the, the effect that you guys might be having on the atmosphere as well? Do you think the supporters could be doing more to get behind the team? I think there are a couple of things I want to establish first on that. First off, it's not an Arsenal problem. It's it's a cross it's a cross club issue across the continent, across the world. Um, players get booed. 
by opposition fans, sometimes by their own fans based on based on their actions and behaviours. Um, secondly, everyone has an opinion now. You know, our world has changed. Uh, people don't want to sit back and just listen to what the authorities say. Everyone, authoritative figures would say, say, everyone is a citizen journalist, essentially. They they have a voice. They want to be part of this, this news and this agenda, um, whether it's for or against um, who they're supporting in football terms. Um, in terms of whether we're contributing as fans to bad atmosphere, of course, you know, we, we are explicitly um, voicing our frustrations. However, football spectating is entertainment, essentially, and that there, it, it's tough to find a way to communicate to the manager and player players. They can see it over social media, but when things aren't changing, um, we can't, everyone can't be silent for one person in the crowd to say, excuse me, Mr. Shaka, could you please run a bit harder? Or Mr. Emery, I suppose you should make take him off on the 69th minute. There, there's, there needs to be a collective, um, a collective signal um, to the team that it's not good enough. You know, you might have it in a formal work setting about going and having a, a performance appraisal or a chat, chat with your manager. Um, or when it gets severe, HR might step in. Um, with football, it's slightly different. And, and the stakeholders, you know, they, uh, the fans, the key stakeholders, the people who pay for your wage, um, need to have a way of providing, providing um, feedback. Again, is that constructive feedback booing? No. But does it get the message across? Damn right it does. It shows that you're not good enough. It's not a coincidence that the best players on each team, the ones that work the hardest, as well. They don't have to be the most skilled. The fan favourites who work the hardest don't get booed. You're not going to see Gwen Jersey booed because even when he played like crap the other day. Sorry, can I use that language? He was terrible the other day. But he, you know, he's working hard for the team. When you see a player clearly not doing the best of the team, clearly out of their depth, if he's not going to get the message, because it's not really his fault, he's been employed by the club, then it's the then the club need to know, and that that is the way in which in which we or as fans are are aiming to do it. And, and there is a line. I admit there's a line. There there is a little boo, and there's a come on, get off the pitch, and there is a um, effing and blinding and um, swearing and threatening behaviour, which is which is criminal behaviour, um, of course. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 off putting to you know you have so many issues now around spectators and sport and you can't really moderate it across the globe so you know you might say would fat managers and players be put off coming to arsenal well they could also be put off going to italy because of uh issues with racism they've had recently um same in england really um you know you could have said that uh the fans might have been put off um by players behavior um, when you look back to the Cantona days who's to say that that couldn't happen again if, if you're if you're providing an environment in which swearing and being provocative to fans and that's what i think shaka did you know that is aggressive behavior towards the fans and if he was standing by the by the tunnel and he was near fans you know people could have felt particularly threatened by that that sort of behavior um i i can't tell you for certain whether or not um the fans are responsible for that bad environment. It, personally, as a fan, and although I'm very biased, I think that the club are solely responsible for the bad atmosphere, bad signing decisions, bad tactical decisions, bad performances. And for me, they deserve everything that's coming to them except the 
obviously criminal and uh, and abusive messages. And it, it definitely seems like Emery now is, you know, last season, I mean, you've been very consistent about Unai Emery and your thoughts towards him. It does seem now that that is the, is it fair to say that the common view now amongst Arsenal fans is that they want Emery out? It's it's a matter of when, not if now. Um, and it's unanimous. I was at the Wolves game the other day and I was listening to all these fans and uh, I can't repeat the words that they were saying about Emery, but it wasn't pretty. And it's unanimous. Everyone knows that this is not the man um, who they thought was going to take over the Arsenal. He didn't. He hasn't shown the promise that we did in the early stages. Um, there's no style. There's no strategy. Um, players aren't playing for him. Um, the last few results have shown that. You know, draw, 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 draw. Just about winning against Victoria um, in our first game against them and losing to Sheffield. I mean, I can't remember the last time we won a Premier League game. To be honest. Uh, all actually perform to our best of ability. It's uh, it's time for change again, and that's okay. You know, we gave it a go. We've given it longer than Moyes at United. It's not working. We're still, you know, on the on the on the on the cusp of being able to make the top four with a good manager coming in mid-season. They'll turn it around with this group of players. They can sign a couple in January. There is a chance, but the longer we wait and the longer we drag our um, we drag our feet on this decision, um, the less chances we have of kind of uh, salvaging this season and, and our short to long, short to medium term future. Um, a lot of bloggers and fans are saying, well, who's out there? Which manager's out there? You can't be ever saying the, the, the J word, but I'm going to say it. Jose Mourinho, a manager who has performed at every club he's been at, regardless of saying, oh, he, he didn't, winning league for United. He got them in the Champions League. He got them second. He won them a uh, Europa League. I think he won them a League Cup as well. Um, the man is a serial winner. Everywhere he goes, he is defi- desi- divisive. Um, you know, the, the the history with him and Wenger obviously um, kind of uh, tarnishes that appointment slightly before it even happens. But that that is the calibre of manager, the big name that Arsenal Football Club need. By appointing a small club manager, you know, apart from the PSG job, they wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't successful at um, overall. You know, you you act like a small club. Um, it's a bit like my argument with with the Spurs. You know, signing these average players makes you an average club, and eventually you need to buy that bullet. You needed to sign Dybala to take it up a notch. Now you're suffering the consequences. Um, it's almost my argument as well, by the way, with Jose Mourinho that he should go to Spurs. You know that in itself, would make Spurs a winning club, a mentality that you haven't ever had, in my opinion, probably in, in the in the 60s. Um, but yeah, just just on the manager, I mean, it's 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 time for a new change. Um, it's time for a new mentality and it's time for something different. I would rather go back to the 1-0 to the Arsenal days, solid at the back, seeing them grind out wins um, rather than whatever this is at the moment, because it's not the attacking flair we used to see on Arsene Wenger's brilliant teams um, before 2010, I would say. Um, and it, and it's not kind of a park the bus defensive masterclass um, from Jose or some of the Italian teams. Um, quite frankly, the only way I can describe it is a mess. And um, I saw something earlier online, which I had to ask you about because it involves our favourite player, Jamie O'Hara who on TalkSport, they were discussing 
the possibility, I mean, this isn't a real possibility, but people talking about Arsene Wenger coming back to Arsenal. And Jamie O'Hara said that he actually thought Wenger was too good a manager for this Arsenal team. What do you what do you make of that comment from, from Jamie O'Hara? Well, first of all, it will never happen because, you know, it's like Ferguson. It just never, although he retired from football, but it's just it's it's too late for that. It would have happened midway through last season. Also, it's the most ridiculous comment because if he was that too good, he wouldn't have been rejected by every team clearly um, that he's that, he, that he's spoken to since he's left Arsenal. I think that's a, a ridiculous comment. I think it's 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 clickbait um, <clears throat> from, from that channel. But um, I, I understand where he's coming from. Um, but the truth is. Two good wins. We suddenly beat Leicester somehow. We suddenly get another win. We're back in the top four. And quite frankly, um, I think people are being a little bit dramatic about Arsenal's demise. However, we can spot the trend of you know bad performances and how how it's going to end up in, in the in the medium short to medium term. Um, but no, I think that's there was just it was just clickbait i don't i don't want to entertain that comment especially from someone who caused me to be stabbed by a pencil when i was younger um turning the tide um on spurs oh no um i mean okay losing to liverpool not a disaster you expect that um a couple of other poor results um in the league um doing all right in the champions league but you know i, I guess the the headlines have been on that game against everton um, masked by the awful injury to Andre Gomez, um, wishing him well from everyone at Cannon and Cockerell. Um, the, there are two things that have happened from this Everton game, um, and you know what's coming on one of them. And the first one is that it's masked the fact that that was another terrible result for Spurs. I don't care whether it's Goodison Park or an Everton team. They are nowhere near the team they, they ever could be, um, and they haven't been under these managers um, in recent years and with this kind of uh, talented set of players, um, you know, Spurs have hidden behind the fact that they're, they're, they're falling down the table and they're getting closer to the relegation zone than the top four zone at the moment. And secondly, and I know you're not going to like me for this, and a lot of people won't, this week has become the Hungman Sun Show. Um, obviously, the man's upset. Obviously, he didn't mean it. Obviously, a red card probably wasn't the right decision because it wasn't a malicious anything, albeit there are arguments that he revenge hacked Gomez down and it was just an accident, of course. Um, and again, it doesn't, but his reaction is totally justified. It's awful when, when you do that to someone. Someone so nice to actually to feel like you've caused some, someone so much harm is tragic. Um, but to hear all these stories about, you know, they, they decided to let Son lead out the team and then they were letting him, um, and he did his sorry apology. And it just felt like, and the Spurs appealing the red card, it all felt a bit insensitive. They should have just kept him out of the limelight. For me, it's kind of overshadowed the story slightly. And I think there's, there's obviously differing opinions on this. It might be because I'm a biased Arsenal fan, but it's just frustrated me that this week has been all about Hungman Son when it should have all been about Andre Gomez. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about the, the Son thing too much because I think I, I disagree with, with a lot of that. And I think ultimately it's a good thing that he gets that Son gets back on the football pitch as quick as possible so he doesn't have to, to dwell on this and can try and move on and that everybody can try and move on and obviously happy that Andre Gomez's surgery went well and hopefully he makes a, a full recovery. And as you said, it's one of these freak accidents that can occur on a football pitch. Obviously, Arsenal know what it's like with uh, Aaron Ramsey and Eduardo before that and the 
the psychological as well as physical effect it can have on everyone involved. So hopefully that all sort of, you know, will, ev- will eventually blow over and look forward to Andre Gomez being back on the football pitch soon. I remember when he was heavily linked to Tottenham and, and could have been a Tottenham player by all accounts. But I agree with you that it was a bad result and performance against Everton and in the league, we've been pretty terrible. The Liverpool game, as you said, there's no disgrace in losing that. The performance I actually thought was quite good. It was a classic case of frustrating Spurs performance, flattering to deceive, defensive errors at the back, Serge Aurier again giving away the penalty. Um, The Champions League has been the only sort of saving grace of our whole 2019. Obviously, it papered over the cracks at the end of last season. And the results against Belgrade were very good. I mean, okay, they're pretty terrible. I was at the home game where we won 5-0. And other than Tottenham in certain matches this season, they were the worst team I've seen all season. Um, But going away from home, you know, Liverpool lost there last season. I think we're the first English team to win away at Belgrade. It is an intimidating atmosphere. They haven't conceded, I think, more than one goal there for a long time, some ridiculous stat. So to go there and win 4-0, I thought was quite impressive. And actually seeing Lo Celso and Undombele and Sessegnon all finally in the team at once, scoring goals, assisting goals, playing well, gives me hope that once those players are fully integrated into the team, that we can start to get that fresh start that we all know we need. The squad's gone stale. And the big frustration, I think, with Pochettino this season in the league has been persisting with players who we know don't want to be there and who aren't performing, whether that be Serge Aurier or Christian Eriksen. And I just hope that on Saturday against Sheffield United, he doesn't revert back to the same old players making the same old mistakes. You know, Undembele, I think, has been a really bright spark for us this season. Lo Celso obviously got the opening goal. Uh, Sessegnon came on and got an assist. You know, I want to see those players now playing week in, week out, because that's what we need. We need a new start. And to be honest, we're 10 points off the top four now, as you said, closer to the relegation zone. Uh, I've almost written top four off. I mean, yeah, okay, if we go on a run and other teams drop points, maybe we can start to work our way up the table. And obviously there's Champions League and FA Cup still to fight for. But I mean, to be honest, the Everton game, everything about it, the performance, the result, the injury was so grim that it made me just want the season to be over already, even though theoretically there is still so much to fight for. But yeah, we've been we've been pretty poor in the league. I mean, the Watford game as well, 1-1, was terrible. I mean, even the Belgrade match, they could have scored a few goals. Defensively, were terrible. I saw some stat about how we've conceded two goals in almost every away game this season and something about the last three clubs to have conceded as many goals away or to have this sort of away form, they they got relegated. So we're definitely on relegation form when it comes to away from home, when it comes to the defence. But I just hope that, as I said on the last episode, that Pochettino puts his trust in the new signings, in the young players coming through, because if we're going to have an up and down season, I'd rather do it with a team who you know want to be there and who are getting much needed experience for next year, rather than players who've who've got their eye on on a move. And if it doesn't get better, if you know the losses and the draws keep on coming, performances are poor, players get even more disgruntled. And the unthinkable happens and Pochettino resigns or is sacked. Jose Mourinho, yay or nay? Well, it's funny because we, we spoke about this a few episodes ago about Jose Mourinho. And to be honest, I feel the same as you. I'd, I'd have him in because for the same reason, you look at his track record and, OK, he's not a long term option, even at the places where Mourinho has been most successful. It hasn't lasted for more than three seasons, but 
you could do a lot worse than him. And I think certainly you'd hope he'd sort out the defence for one, which is our biggest weakness at the moment. And as you said, he would bring a certain aura and, and instant respect and, and mentality to the team. And who knows, maybe if Mourinho did come in, we, we might get over the line in the, in the FA Cup, for instance, and, and win a trophy because you know he would prioritise that and make a point of, of winning it and of, of doing what, in that scenario, if it happened, what Pochettino couldn't do. But obviously he does come with a lot of baggage and a lot of history. And I think, I mean, my first choice to replace Poch, if and when the moment comes, would be Thomas Tuchel. Um, but I I wouldn't say no to Mourinho. And I certainly would, uh, yeah, I'd welcome it if, if it happened. But I, I hope it doesn't, mainly because I want to see Pochettino succeed. And as I said, I'm not sure Mourinho would be the best long-term option. And he might be more trouble than he's worth at times. But he's, I mean he's out there and some club's going to get him and it'll be fascinating to see who it is and, and how well they do when he when he does finally pick his next club. I mean, I think he's definitely desperate to get a big role again. You know, all the rumours coming out about him wanting the Arsenal job and meetings that may or may not have happened. Um, but yeah, basically, in a nutshell, I, I would welcome Mourinho at White Hart Lane, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. Interesting you mentioned um, Thomas Tuchel, the manager who's basically won one major trophy in his career but um i won't read much into that well Um, arguably two he won he won a trophy with dortmund i mean winning the league with psg is not necessarily a a big achievement but i think we would uh we'll give him that manager Um, i have a game to lighten the mood after quite an intense start to the episode um so listen to this i watched the mtv music awards the other day and Cristiano Ronaldo popped up. He was in the audience, loves a bit of music. We all love a bit of music. So what I thought I'd do is this. I went to find out the top 10 hits in the charts on the year in which both of our teams last won a league title. Oh, God. Um, So I can tell you that I have the top 10 here for 2004, which is the last time Arsenal won a title. Um, I also have a top 10 here for the last time Spurs won a title, which would you believe is 1961. Um, So we have a top 10. Um, I mean, you've got some absolute legends in here, including the great Elvis Presley. Oh, wow. Um, And funnily enough, there's someone called Eden Kane. Wow. It was a weird, weird kind of coincidence. Um, So what I wanted to do, and I can send you the Arsenal one um, to do it back, is I'm going to go in reverse order. Um, telling you the top 10, um, who sung it and what the song is. And I want you to attribute that song to one of your players at this moment in time. Oh, okay. So, and it can include the manager because uh, I'm sure Pochettino will be uh, included or or Unai will definitely be included in all the pessimistic ones. (laughs) Um, So at number 10 in 1961 was a song by the great Elvis Presley, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Are You Lonesome Tonight? Ooh. Mm. I don't know, maybe Hugo Lloris. I feel like, you know, he's got a long-term injury. He was the captain. He's not playing. It can be tough when you're injured out for a long time. Might be lonely, not part of the team anymore. Maybe Hugo Lloris. I think that's fair. Um, number nine was Billy Fury singing Halfway to Paradise. Halfway to Paradise. 
Um, maybe Christian Eriksen, you know, he thought he might be getting a step up in the summer, making his dream move to a, a Barcelona or Real Madrid. It hasn't quite happened, but he's running down that contract. You know, in January, he can start making pre-contract arrangements with, uh, with foreign clubs. So maybe in his head, he's thinking he's halfway there to his dream move. Lovely. And how about the Allisons at number eight with Are You Sure? Oh, are You Sure? Maybe to Pochettino with some of his team selections. And as I said, persisting with the likes of Serge Aurier and, and not starting uh, Le Celso and Ndombele, etc. Now, this one at number seven might be an easy one. The Everly Brothers singing Walk Right Back. Walk Right Back? Yeah, Serge Aurier. Got to be right back. Right, now our favourite by Eden Kane. Well, I ask you. Well, I ask you. Well, given it's by Eden Kane, I'm going to go with Harry Kane. (laughs) And him maybe turning to the team behind him and sort of going, well, I ask you, do you want to win trophies? Do you want to? I can imagine his frustration at, at the errors that are happening at the back while he's trying to do it all up front. Perfect. Um, At number five was Helen Shapiro, who sung Walking Back to Happiness. Walking Back to Happiness. Jungmin's son. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, he's had a tough time recently, but he's he's kind of hopefully he's he's seeing the light now. Mm -hmm. Um, Number four, John Layton singing Johnny Remember Me. Johnny Remember Me. Jonathan Woodgate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, it's, I'm going to, for the purposes of this, I'm going to say that uh, maybe, I don't know, Victor Wanyama refers to Pochettino as Johnny, or maybe by Johnny, he's just referring to all of us and wanting us to remember him because he's kind of slipped off the radar. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, three, Helen Shapiro once more. Oh, Helen Shapiro. Rensetter. Um, It's called You Don't Know. <laughs> you Don't Know. Oh. Ooh, um, already done Pochettino. I mean, I know who, I know who I would put personally. Oh, who would you go for? I'd probably go for Giovanni Lachelso because you, as in the fans, don't really know what he's capable of yet. It's a good one. Yeah, you want to stick with that one? Yeah, I'll stick with that. Love it. Um, I don't know where this artist has come from. Del Shannon, um, and the song is "Runaway." Runaway. Who's I've already done Ericsson Parkway Paradise, but he maybe Alderweireld. Yeah, I think that's suitable. And number one, of course, it had to be the King Elvis Presley. Um, think about this one, long and hard. Wooden heart. Wooden heart. Ooh. Wooden heart. Um, I'm going to go Eric Dyer. I don't know why, but that's just the name that's calling out to me. Poor Eric. Poor Eric. I like Eric Dyer. I, I don't know why. I, he was just the first player that came, came to mind for whatever reason. I mean, you know what they say, that I love Eric Dyer and Eric Dyer loves me. That is what they say. It is. Now, if we do this reciprocally, I know you have the list in front of you. Um, I would, uh, there are a couple of expletives, so I would just ignore them as much as you can. Okay. Um, so at number 10, Michelle McManus, oh. all this time. Throwback, throwback. 
Um, all this time would probably be Hector Bellerin because he's probably our longest serving player at the club. So for all this time, he's stuck by us when he probably should have gone home to Barcelona while he had the chance. Um, then at number nine, we've got three of a kind with baby cakes. Baby cakes? Ashley Maitland-Niles. Um, well, I said him. I said him. <laughs> why Ainsley Maitland-Niles? I don't know. Well, I guess he is a young player. Um, trying to think how many... Any players had a new baby? Joe Willock. We'll call it for Sack Saka because he's a young guy. He's probably the youngest in the team. He's our baby. That's good. He, like, he probably likes cake. Who doesn't like cake? Well, we all love a bit of cake, although footballers probably shouldn't be eating too much of it. Oh, uh, well, who knows what Unai's feeding these trudgy lot. <laughs> At number eight, we've got Mario Winans featuring Enya and P. Diddy. What a lineup. With I Don't Want to Know. I don't want to know. Um, I'm going to go for Shaka because I don't want to. I don't want to know from you anymore. Um, oh, I think there's one in a couple places time that might be even better for Shaka. Um, at number seven, we've got Kellis with milkshake. Milkshake. Oh God. Um, wow. I'm going to go for David Louise. Because I feel like when he does some of his playing out the back, someone just needs to throw a milkshake at his face. Um, at number six, by Frankie, F you right back. Well, I think it's we've got to change it to Shaka. It's only right, isn't it? I think so. So what was what did I put Shaka as originally? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Um, so I don't want to know can be uh, uh, Mustafi. Good chief, one. chief original scapegoat. Uh, number five, Usher featuring Lil John and Ludacris. Oh. With yeah. yeah, exclamation mark, yeah. Yeah, exclamation mark. Um, yeah, we'll go for a Bama Yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good decision. Yeah. Good player, yeah. At four, DJ Casper with cha-cha slide. Cha-cha slide. Lacazette loves a good smooth cha-cha slide. You can tell. He's a good dancer. At number three, Anastasia with left outside alone. Ooh, left outside alone. It's got to be Meza Ozil. He was really left out in the cold this season, but uh, he will be back. So he'll he's kind of uh, he's kind of singing the uh, the sequel to the song. At number two, Eric Prides with Call on Me. Call on me. Um, you would have almost thought that would have been Ozil as well because he's kind of come back from the abyss. But I'm going to go for Kieran Tierney because everyone's been waiting for our for our super signing left back to come back into the fold. And at number one by Eamon, this is a, a, again maybe the third song on this list that could be appropriate <laughs> for Xhaka. F it, I don't want you back. Hmm. Well, I mean, he never went anywhere, but I'm just going to go from Unai Emery because he deserves he deserves one of the bad, the negative songs. Uh, his bad evening. Matcher. Bad evening. <laughs> Terrible evening. Um, shout out to Emery saying bad, good evening in the afternoon yesterday. And How does it feel playing on a Wednesday? It's a rare occurrence for Arsenal. You know what? I think it sums it all up that 
as soon as the game started, I fell asleep on my sofa and my eyes opened as the referee blew the whistle for the full time. Um, doesn't say much about my uh, my employment situation, but um, it does say about the level of uh, excitement this Arsenal team is causing at the moment. And how nervous are you about coming up against Brendan Rodgers' Leicester the weekend? Not nervous because we kind of expect the same result. We expect a, a, a thrashing based on how they've been performing. Um, they've got balance. They've got their pride back. Fans are excited. The manager's determined. He knows this is a game to kind of boost his profile in even more and to, to get some day, daylight away from the, uh, the other teams outside the top four. Um, it's a real opportunity for them. I can't see it improving. I don't know what the manager can do now to change it up because the more he changes it up, the more confused the players get, the more the lack of strategy is evident. Um, I think this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I really do. I think if we lose, um, how I and what I think we will, um, I, th- I think uh, during the international break we'll, we'll see a change in manager personally. And that's a bold, that's a bold prediction. But um, speaking of predictions, I was going to go um, and kind of share my prediction for the game, and I'm going to go for for three 0 Leicester. I think it's going to be an absolute mauling. Ouch. Um, and, and you know. I never want my team to lose, whether or not it's... Uh, I've spoken to some people who think it could be a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we've been here before, and that was a couple of years ago with Arsene Wenger, and it's happening again. So we need to we need to change it up now. And how about you against uh, Sheffield United? I'm not optimistic. Obviously, they beat you. That was in Sheffield, but still. They're on a great run of form. Um playing very well you know they could be fifth or something depending on how results go at the weekend they're they're probably better than belgrade even though belgrade are a champions league team so i'm a bit nervous i think it could be one nil sheffield united or maybe another kind of one one draw like we had against watford wow yeah i'm just you know until i see i was put in a really strong performance like we did against palace when we beat them four nil I'm not confident going into these games because we've just been so inconsistent and and been so. I mean, we know we got beat three 0 by Brighton, drew one one with Watford, but it was a late goal. Got a bit lucky in that game. Southampton, we beat them two one narrowly. Um, Liverpool obviously played well but lost. I'm a, I'm a bit 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 scared. It's looking like pessimistic times for both of our clubs. Indeed. Uh, and uh, who knows. Can you imagine if if there was a North London derby now? Wow, be a nil nil or a eight eight based on the way we're performing. But who knows? This time this uh, year, if our teams are so bad, we might be. Uh, this show might be be uh, renamed to the Cannons and uh, the, the Irons and the Blues. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bad evening. That would be bad. Bad evening. And with that, I think I have to say, good evening. Good evening.